and welcome back to a chapter in the chat. I'm your host, Jamel Hill. And in this series, we're dealing with As a Black Man Thinking by Reggie Whitaker. We've already done the preface and the introduction. So let's go ahead and let's dive into it. Let's get off with chapter one. Who are you? Convicted felon, liar, cheater, and a drug addict. Most of my life, I've been a coward. The choices I've made in life haven't always been the greatest. I was a very insecure young boy and man. It took a lot of soul searching, sacrifice, blood, sweat, and tears for me to be able to see myself for who and what I truly am. A black African-American king. I've never really been what one would consider a winner. Every opportunity I've ever had to show who I am and what I can do, I've only froze up and cowered under pressure. From early childhood events to situations with people in my life I should have stood up for, I found a way to run. Of course, I can blame my mother for being addicted to drugs or my father being an alcoholic and absent. I can blame my environment, Southwest Washington, D.C., which in the late 80s and early 90s was a cesspool of drugs, pimps, prostitution, and murder. I can blame the circumstances of a broken home. I can identify with feelings of loneliness, isolation, and sadness. These are all things I chose for myself. I chose to be a victim. You see, we all have this little voice in our heads. You know, the one that's been with you since you had the ability to think. It is my belief this is God's voice speaking to us. Others may call it your conscience. Regardless if you're religious or not, I know for a fact that you have that voice that speaks to you every day. This voice does not care about your life's problems or who did what and when. It does not discriminate or show favoritism to economic and social circumstance. It doesn't teach hatred because that is man-made. This voice is perfect. It always reminds you in your head and in your heart to call a loved one, finish something you're procrastinating on, or stay away from something harmful to you. Your voice can also lead you to accomplish the most amazing things you never thought were possible. However, the majority of us choose to go against this voice. Never underestimate your power of choice. That voice is your guide. Those who choose happiness in this life learn to be in daily communication with that voice. That voice, if you listen, will lead you to purpose, truth, and fulfillment. But you must listen. In today's world, you can lose yourself quite easy. There are so many distractions, temptations, and evils lurking all over. So who are you? I mean, really. Who are you? When you close your eyes at night and replay the events of your life and what you've done up until this point, good or bad, how does it make you feel? Are you living your truth? Do you wake up every day with a sense of purpose and fulfillment? I ask this because for a lot of you, who you are does not add up to the person you turned out to be. You let that voice go quiet and you let the voices of the external world take over and pressure you into things that did nothing but allow you to self-destruct. Or maybe you lived every day in constant war with your voice. How do I know, you ask? I was that person for a very long time. What I was capable of doing 
did not add up to what was being done. I wanted to be a victim. You must go back as far as you can remember. There will be things there that you don't want to address, but you must. You have to sort out all the noise and get back in line with your voice. As black men, we have to take back our culture, our women, and our families. But first, we must fix ourselves. No matter how successful women get, their natural instinct still looks to the man in their life to lead. It doesn't have to be financially. He only has to be a leader amongst men. We have to understand that an African American is its own race with its own customs and beliefs. Our history was manipulated and stolen from our parents and ancestors. But our future can be bright, and it is up to us to heal the wounds plagued by violence, slavery, and prejudice, which ultimately led to broken homes, abuse, and abandonment. The African American stands alone as we've done too much for this country to be forgotten. We've earned the right to be African American kings and queens, and we must understand we are not just Americans. Neither are we black people, and we are certainly not niggers. This is very important to note. And now is the time for each individual who identifies as an African-American man to begin the process of healing. In order to do this, we must first shed light on the very pain that haunts us and our culture every day. You must dig deep within yourself to see what's there. If you are not satisfied with who and what you are today, take the time to understand why. As a 32-year-old man, I will not see what I ultimately envisioned for our people, but in my lifetime, I do believe the tables will slowly begin to turn. The black man will regain his rightful position. This will largely depend on strong African-American two-parent households led by a strong black man and an even stronger black woman. The reality is the future of America will be compiled with African-Americans of all colors and shades. There are already a lot of biracial couples. You love who you love. The way I see it, it's only extending the African genes further into the American genetic makeup. And when it's all said and done, we will all end up with what civilization began with in the first place, Africans. I do have a big problem with African-American men choosing to be with a woman of another race or culture because they want to run as far away as possible from embracing themselves as African-Americans. No, there is a difference. We have to address this issue because I feel like it sends the wrong message to our youth, especially our young men. A lot of times you will hear black men say, I don't date black women because they have attitudes. Now to me, Coming from a black man, this sounds absurd. It's one thing to have a bad experience, but to categorize all black women in such a way really hurts me. What if our women said they no longer want to date black men because of their financial instability, mental weakness, and false sense of self? Things are always different when the roles are reversed. I too dated outside of my race in the past and the reality of the matter was I was too scared and intimidated to pursue my counterpart who displayed infinite amounts of strength, elegance, and grace. No matter what I thought or who I dated, she still loved me unconditionally. The black woman did. 
Only the black woman, the African-American queen, a goddess, can show this amount of patience and understanding. Our women have held down the African-American race for generations. How long are we going to allow them to be our front line of defense? Is that what a man is supposed to do? If trouble comes to your door, shouldn't you be there to answer? Not just a physical threat, but any threat that may harm you, your family, and your household. They've sacrificed enough. We've held onto their coattails for far too long. I will say this again and often in this book. You have to be a strong black man to be with a stronger black woman. She will bring out the best in you if you love her. Coexisting and growing together will involve going through some of the same trials and tribulations only African-American men, women, and children experience. You must understand as an African-American, we have our own experience. There is no other culture in the world that can claim our story. We were the only group of enslaved people on American soil. Both have to be willing to evolve and progress in a functioning partnership of strength, trust, love, and honor. This evolution starts with the African-American man and the decision he makes from the time he can think until the time he makes the first major decision of his life. As men, we have to take responsibility for our actions and understand people look up to us whether we want them to or not. So again, I ask, who are you? Any African-American man born between 1980 and the 2000s with children has moral responsibilities that involve ushering in a dominant, confident, financially healthy group of beautiful African-American people into the 22nd century. The reason the oppressors were able to take advantage of us for so long is because they planned it out, they stuck together, and they executed. We must mirror the same strategic discipline and persistence. The difference is we intend to spread love, happiness, and self-empowerment and not hate. While we're on the subject of love, happiness, and self-empowerment, the movie Black Panther was released and is breaking all kinds of box office records. My family and I really enjoyed the movie and its message. The symbolism was incredibly accurate. I encourage all to go watch the movie and see what you get from it. We have the ability to create a Wakanda-like existence because it is where we come from. At the very core of our spirit, it is who we are. We are the chosen people, but we all must play our roles. And the role of the African-American man the black man is to fight for the future of his people, even if it means dying in the process. The parallels between the Wakanda king and his orphan cousin speaks to the realities we face as African-American men today. There's a lot of infighting amongst us. A lot of our brothers are dying at the hands of a man that looks just like them. We have to stop judging our brothers and instead love and embrace them. Their only wish is to come home and be loved and accepted by our people. The role of the African women is spot on. She's been fighting alongside us and for us since the beginning of time. I'm not sure if that was the message or not, but that's what I got from the movie. And to me, it couldn't have come out at a better time. As African-American men, we all can relate to that orphan cousin. 
How many of you can trace your family roots more than 200 years? Personally, I only can go back 50 years or so. That's the hard truth. When you add the effects of slavery, fatherless homes, and young boys forced to carry their mother's maiden name, an identity crisis begins to form. We all have to claim to know who we are, but do we really? Does that not eat at your spirit? Maybe it doesn't matter to you, but it should. It would explain why it's so easy for us men to make babies and leave them to the women to raise them. We have no true concept of family, legacy, or sense of self. We do not know who we are. Our identity was forcefully taken from us and destroyed. Be that as it may, we have the power to start anew. You have the opportunity today to rewrite the history for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Do you not realize this is the very component that secretly haunts us day in and day out? Sure, there are other obstacles we face, but we have to understand in today's black America, our issues carry more of a psychological effect on us than we may want to admit. We have no country to fall back on or no country to call our own. We don't have an international relative to visit. Having relatives in distant lands gives people from other races, ethnic backgrounds, the ability to do business amongst a million other things. And if worse comes to worse, they can flee this country and go back home. African-Americans do not share the same luxury. This is our only home and we have nowhere else to go. There is no running away or fleeing. Whatever history our family does have, it's marked by slavery. Today, we are free and you can only be enslaved by your mind. Make the best of what you have here in America. It could be worse. We have to accept this and know that America is just as much our land as it is anyone else's. Why can't we accept that? Is it possible for us to hide in plain sight? Going back to Africa is not realistic because it's a whole continent with troubles spanning thousands of years inside of every country that in that continent. We have no idea what's going on over there, nor do we have the resources or connections to change anything. I do believe every African-American male should make a pilgrimage to the motherland if he or she is financially able and explore it. But I will say this, Africans who migrate from the motherland to settle here in the United States do not look at African-Americans as equals or peers. To them, we are completely separate. We are a separate group of inferior people. We have no relationship with them. So, for the last time, I ask you, who are you? That's the end of chapter one. Who are you? So let's talk about it. Let's hit a few, few, few points. Let's touch on a few things. And let's take our time doing it. that question right there, who are you? That, that is heavy. That, that weighs heavy. Because most of us, our identity was, was given to us. You know, as soon as you're born... We're given a name without us choosing it. 
You know what I mean, and, you know, not to, you know, be funny or nothing. But of course, you know, at birth, as a baby, you don't know what you're going to call yourself. But at the same time, we're given a name without choosing it. Or we're giving a name that our parents or someone else chose or something that they liked that has no real meaning or value. It's just a name. Names really mean a lot. But that's just one piece. And then after birth, as we grow, we're giving a religion or we're giving some type of belief system. We didn't ask for it. It was given to us. And in the history of the people of this of this country and, and even around the world, through oppression and colonization, a lot of things that people do is not because of what they chose, but it's because of someone else's decision, someone else's forcefulness, someone else's bullying told them that this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to be. This is what you're going to believe. This is how you're going to act. This is how you're going to dress. This is how you're going to look. This is how you're going to talk. This is the language you're going to speak. So that question of who are we, man, that it weighs really heavy. Because most of who we are is not who we want to be. Most of who we are is not who we've decided to be, but who we've accepted, who we've tolerated. And we've perpetuated a cycle, a, 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 a sick cycle of allowing this to continue. And yeah, because of what's gone on and what has happened to us as a people, many of us are convicted fellows. Many of us are liars and cheaters and drug addicts. Many of us are cowards. And is it our fault that we are? No, I won't say I won't say 100%, you know that it is. I'll say that we we have a an accountability. We we have to own a large percentage of it because now that we know that we have the ability to change and do different and be different, then why don't we? We're convicted felons because of because of what? Because of crime? Because we committed a crime? And crime is relative to the individual. Because in the beginning of, of, of this country, shit, many, many crimes were committed. Millions of crimes were committed. And no one has stood trial for that, for those atrocities. But we're not going to get into that right now. But many of us are convicted felons because we're doing things that we have no business doing. We're doing things that don't, that, that aren't conducive for the development of ourselves and our people and our families. We're doing a lot of bullshit that is has nothing to do with our culture. We're actually reacting to something that was put into place. We're reacting to the 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 some of the situations created by colonization and and, and the oppression. We're reacting to our reaction. Matter of fact, our reaction is a side effect of racism, white supremacy, the systematic racism and white supremacy. And our reaction is is a, is a side effect to abusers of white privilege. And I'm not going to, you know, get on the, the, the race card or nothing like that. But let's just tell the truth. Let's just be for real. Seriously. And then in a note, 
you know, many of us are cowards. And being a coward is the opposite of being courageous. <clears throat> but how do you how do you become a coward? What's a cowardly act? It's a cowardly act is giving up on ourselves. A cowardly act is being a bully. A cowardly act is that classic definition of narcissism. There are many different types of narcissists, but narcissists are cowards. And many of us are that. We don't take responsibility for a lot of things. A lot of times we do try and find the easy way out. A lot of times we want to, you know, just get over instead of just do things right. One of my favorite songs, you know, is, is by Shaka Khan, you know, Through the Fire. Man, I I, I love that song. It, it just means so much. And it, and it fits perfectly with, with many different, you know, verses from different holy books and even philosophical books and, you know, things of, of alchemy and chemistry and metaphysics and, you know, dealing with fire. Many of us are cowards and don't have the courage to go through the fire that is going to shape us and mold us. You know, I'm reminded of the of the the, the example of how you how you get gold or how you how you get platinum. Because gold in its in its natural state is, you know, you see the yellow, right? But in that state it still is dirty and it's filthy and it's it, it's filled with with what is called dross. So in order to get gold in its purest form you put it through fire and many of us aren't, aren't courageous enough to go through the fire, the fires of discipline the fires of integrity the fires of righteousness the fires of, of, of perseverance the fires of love <laughs> the fires of accountability so yeah, we are cowards and we got to change that. You know, which leads to what the author said. I was a very insecure young boy and man. A lot of that is attributed to what? The absence of a father. A lot of that is, is attributed to the absence of a father. And then if there's no father around, the uncle, the grandfather, the older brother, the older cousin, a strong male image. But here's the thing, not just the strong male image, the strong male image that is complete the strong male image that has that has purpose the strong male image that 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 is doing something the strong male image that is a standard but then also the actions and the behaviors of that strong male has to be consistent because consistency is power consistency is key to many many different types of success 
a boy has to consistently see what he is to become. A boy has to consistently hear, see, feel, smell, to every all of your senses. You 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 want to live a luxurious life or, or what you define as luxury for yourself, then that comes from consistently being involved in those things which are training and preparing you for the higher levels of of that luxurious life. You want to be someone successful, you have to be consistently bombarded with things that promote and and elevate and stimulate thoughts and, and emotions and feelings and the passion of success. It has to be consistent. You could give, you, you could be, have great efforts. You could have great efforts, but effort does not take the place of consistency. And in order to be a secure young man within yourself, in order to be a secure man in yourself, you have to be consistent. You have to see things consistently. So you have to see the standard of what being a man is consistently. And that insecurity that many of us have experienced and many of us grown up with is because there was an inconsistency of something that was vital and detrimental to our development. Including love. We met, yeah, we got the love from our mothers and grandmothers, aunts and all that. We got that. But that was still inconsistent because it wasn't a balance. Right? But then even, and, and that leads to, I've never really been what one would consider a winner. You know, and this is, this is how many of us think of ourselves because of our current or our past life situations. Why is that? The absence of a father. I don't feel like I'm a winner. A fucked up home. Jacked up relationships, you know what I'm saying? The environment that we grew up in. Our circumstances and situations that we had no control of. We didn't choose where we were going to live. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose. It's it's a lot of shit that we didn't choose. But because of a lot of those situations, we don't see ourselves as winners. And why is that? Why is that? that? That's troubling. There are a lot of children walking around today, a lot of young boys walking around today with that fucked up attitude that they don't feel that they are a winner or they have a false sense of what winning is. Pseudo winning. They don't understand what winning really is. They don't understand what success really is. So that breeds insecurity. That breeds behavioral problems. That breeds disciplinary issues. Why? Because you, you when when you don't know how to communicate. You don't know how to how to deal with, with, with anything. You don't know how to understand. You don't, you don't understand what's going on. You have no clue. You're, you're, you're clueless. You're making it up as you go along. Many of us have. Especially without having a father in the home. 
And just because, and, and, and get this, just because a man is there doesn't really mean that he's really there. <clears throat> yeah, you could be there physically, but there has to be some other things that go along with it. But the physical presence does account for a lot. It does account for a lot. That's something we got to fix. And I don't want to harp on that too much longer, but that, let's, let's talk about that voice, that the voice, because it always reminds you to call a loved one, finish something that you are procrastinating on or stay away from something that is harmful to you. The voice of reason. That logical voice. The inner self that, that really wants to do right, that really wants to be true. But it's that voice that that gives you the power to fight against something that is that is extremely dangerous. Procrastination. Procrastination leads to inconsistency. Procrastination is a part of a mental health issue. It's a part of clinical... Di- it's a part of depression. Our people are suffering, you know, from a, from a PTSD, from a post-traumatic slave disorder. I'm not the first one to say it, but, you know, it, it, we are. We suffer from post-traumatic slave syndrome, PTSS. We're also suffering from, from Stockholm Syndrome. Truth be told. Seriously, we really are. But this voice that 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 we have that we oftentimes don't listen to or we oftentimes argue with is that voice of reason. There's a lot of shit that we do that we definitely know we don't need to be doing. But because of the lack of discipline, lack of integrity lack of dignity those issues those situations and then you pile all that up and, and, and into procrastination and, and nothing gets done we may not be lazy physically but we're lazy mentally we may not be lazy mentally but we're lazy physically so our machine our body our temple is not functioning at its peak purpose. It's not functioning at it with its peak potential. It's not functioning properly. And a lot of times it's because we've let that voice go quiet. It's a lot of times because we don't listen to it. And it's a lot of times that we've decided to disbelieve it. Because it, that voice, it really does tell us that you can accomplish the most amazing things you never thought possible. But many times we <laughs> we ignore it. We don't want to believe it. And a lot of times we're afraid to believe it. That's some serious shit. And the reason why we're afraid to believe it is because we know we have to change. And in order to change, we have to become uncomfortable. 
And a lot of us don't want to be uncomfortable because too many of us are comfortable being uncomfortable. It's like it's, it's like looking at taking an example of a pig. A pig lives in shit and mud and 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 garbage and filth. And that is one of that is the most uncomfortable circumstance to be in. But it's comfortable. And many of us are comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. We tolerate a lot of bullshit. We tolerate too much. We're complacent. That's a problem. Many of us are comfortable being depressed. Many of us are comfortable in chaos because that, that's an addiction too. Addiction to the drama. Addiction to, addicted to chaos. I don't want to harp on that too much longer. You know. And my man asked a he, he asked a real good question. You know, when he when he asked, you know, when you close your eyes at night and replay the events of your life and what you've done up until this point, good or bad. Let's touch on that. Because in this chapter, this chapter is who are you? So who are you for real? What do you want? What is your value and your worth? These are questions that I'm asking you. What is your purpose? What is your calling? What are you destined to accomplish? What are your desires? What do you need? Who are you? Who do you want to be? These are heavy questions that we really need to ask ourselves. Every day. Every day. And then you you, you couple that with, are you living your truth? I know that, 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 that just, that shook my bones right there. That question affects my core. Are you living your truth? Do you wake up every day with a sense of purpose and fulfillment? You know, I used to I used to tease, you know, saying, you know, in a conversation saying that, you know, if you if you didn't wake up today believing of, or feeling that, you know, you were getting ready to become the president of the United States or you were getting ready to take over the world, you need to take your ass back to bed. That's a little funny thing for me. Because when you wake up, to me, that is what your mind state should be. That is the belief level. That is that is where you should be at. When you wake up and your feet hit the floor after rolling out of that bed, you should, man, today is the day that I take over the world. Or today is the day that I, you have to think and believe in that, in that level of greatness. And why not? You, you, you live your own life. Why not believe that you're capable of being the best? Why not believe that you're capable of becoming one of the greatest? Why not believe that? Because everything starts in the mind. And then it trickles down. So I'll tell you what. Let's cut it off right here and let's let's jump back on 
on the next episode. And we'll jump back on the next episode with chapter two. That chapter is titled Fear. Thank you for listening and tuning in to a chapter in the chat. I'm your host, Jamel Hill. We're dealing with this series, As a Black Man Thinketh, by Reggie Whitaker. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the next episode. And I bid you love, light, and peace, and blessings. I'll get at you.